Hello and welcome to this episode of HBCU. I'm your host, D. Brown, CEO. Joining me on the program today is Mimi Brown. Mimi is a graduate of Howard University. Mimi, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me, Dee. Oh, the pleasure is all mine. So, Mimi, I want to start because I, I know you're from Alaska. So I just want to really know what it's like to live in Alaska. What was it like growing up in Alaska? You know what? Growing up in Alaska was honestly one of the best experiences I've ever had. I know that sounds crazy because when people hear of Alaska, they think cold and snow, but it was also just a very family-oriented, safe place to grow up. It's one of those places that you see in the movies where you didn't have to lock your doors, you trusted your neighbors. It was it was that kind of family atmosphere. Um, it was, you know, contrary to popular belief, there are a lot of Black people in Alaska. There was a community um, of Black people, just of, of, of us in Alaska that kind of looked out for each other, especially in Anchorage, where I grew up. Yeah. Um, I went to elementary, middle school, high school, everything there. It was, it was cold. I won't give you, I, I can't deny that it was cold, but it was a, it was a great place to grow up. So how did you select Howard University? How did that hit your radar? So when I was growing up in Alaska, um, now this kind of back, backtracks my other statement a little bit. Now, when I say there was a lot of us, there was a lot of us, but relatively um, when you come, when you put it next to the, the, the other population. So yeah. I remember being in high school and I remember, um, you know, kind of looking around and thinking I would love to see um, my culture just a little bit more represented. Um, I had a best friend in high school. She was from Mississippi and um, her mother it was a, a, is an educator and she was an educator in Mississippi. And then she moved to Alaska to become an educator. And they always talked about, you know, the South and HBCUs. And 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 I, you know, my family is um, from California. If we weren't in Alaska, we were in California. So I never really had that that sort of experience. And so they put the idea in my head that I should look it up try and figure out what it was. And then I think we started watching episodes of a different world. And I was yeah. like, I need to go here. What is this place? And so um, we talked about it. I looked it up. It turns out I had a cousin who went to Howard. And so I just decided to do a, a, a visit to the campus and I fell in love with Howard. I had to be about, I don't know, 12 at the time when we yeah. did our campus visit. And I fell in love with Howard and I just fell in love with um, just the HBCU culture. And my mom tried to get me to think of other schools, but as soon as I set foot on the campus of Howard University, I was sold. Wow. So take me back to your freshman year, uh, your first days on campus. What was that experience like? So when I first got to Howard, it was a, it was very different than it is now. Like, I think a lot of times the students, you know, you register online, you know, not to give away my age, but we had to, I mean, we were in the bottom of Blackburn on the phone trying to register for classes. You know, there was a long line where you had to wait for your turn to use the phone. So my first day at Howard was just a little bit of like, hurry up and wait, but it was okay because I wasn't the only one. I was there with a lot of other students from all over the world. And when everyone found out that I was from Alaska, I think that I became like the topic of conversation. And so that was <laughs> that was kind of cool for me. But, you know, the first time, the first day stepping on the campus of Howard University, I think 
Um, honestly, I was I was in shock. I was in awe. I had never been around so many uh, people who look like me from all different walks of life ever before. And I remember telling my mom, I'll admit this now, they probably wouldn't have admitted this 10 years ago, that yeah. I was nervous. And I was nervous because that hadn't been my experience to be around so many Black people who were moving and shaking and doing things. And I, I just, I didn't know how to fit in or or what um, that looked like for me. And I remember my mother said, no one knows you're not from here. You fit in. You are one of them. And I and that talk still resonates with me today um, because I think it it shaped how I saw my peers and my classmates. And it was just like, okay, girl, you got this. Get in there and and go for it. And since day one, I I have just been in love with that campus. So now I know you are a proud member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. And I want to know what is Greek life like on the campus of Howard University? You know what? Just like every HBCU, I, 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 you know, I have to give a shout out to Howard University because we are the originators of most of the Divine Nine. And so uh, Greek life on Howard University is is it is everything. I remember sitting on the yard on Fridays and you had the deltas, they were stepping, you had the AKAs stepping, you know, the iotas, the the bras, the kappas, everybody every Friday just kind of doing their thing, sitting in the sun. You know, you that culture, that 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 uh, Greek culture, um, it, it was, it's like nothing else. It's, it's so powerful and it, it made you feel like, um, you know, this is where you, where you belong. Right. It was so inclusive, you know, and I, and I think for me coming from Alaska and seeing that I knew that I had made the right decision. I knew that, that Howard was, uh, where I was supposed to be in this Greek life, especially AKA was, was where I needed to be. And that also goes back to that friend that I mentioned and um, Alaska, she and her mother were AKAs and they heavily influenced my decision to become a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. So, you know, uh, a lot of people think about fraternities and sororities and they, they see the step shows, they, they know about all of that, you know, the fun stuff, but talk about the, the service aspect of the sorority. Which is very important. It's very important, you know, sororities, fraternities, you know, while you see that, you see the step shows, you see the gear, you see everyone laughing and hanging out. The service, like for, for Alpha Kappa Alpha, you know, service to all mankind is super, 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 super important. Um, I know here, even in L.A., with what we do with feeding the homeless and, um, you know, our, our toy drives and our initiatives that we do each and every uh, month. Service is at the core because how can you serve? How can you be a part of an organization and not want to serve others? Right. right I think right. the organization, the organ organization started on the backs of, you know, wanting to serve our people and serve our communities. And so our sororities and our fraternities, we keep that going. That's very, very important. And I think sometimes it's, it's you know, very difficult when people don't know or don't see that aspect, but it's yep. it's super, 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 super important. So every time I have a guest on this show, uh, I always hear stories about professors and other staff members at the college who were, you know, inf uh, important parts of the journey of the, uh, you know, the collegiate journey. So who uh, helped you along the way uh, at Howard University? 
<laughs> well, this is a very uh, funny story. So um, I would have to say the, the, the professor, the individual that helped me along the way at Howard University would have to be the person who goes by one name, Omarosa. <laughs> um, you know, when I was there, she was my communications teacher. And I think at the time I was just kind of trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. I was a sophomore in college. I think by that time, maybe I changed my major a couple times. I wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to do. And then I sat down and communications 101 and there was Omarosa teaching us about um, you know, broadcasting, communications, pronunciation. I remember we had to buy books and we had to learn how to pronounce, pronounce, it, pronounce, pronounce these words. And we couldn't come to class um, sometimes without walking in the door, without saying the correct pronunciation of a word. I mean, she was she was tough, but she was fair. Um, and I really, really enjoyed her class. And because of that, I think we kind of clicked on a different level. I was actually a pageant queen in Alaska. I did a lot of pageants and I know um, Omarosa did a lot of pageants in DC. And so we connected on that level as well. And so we kind of just stayed in touch. And when I yeah. say she had like a really big influence on me when I um, graduated from college, once again, I'm like, okay, what do I do? I have no idea what to do. Um, I got a call from Omarosa telling me that she had moved to L.A. and um, come to L.A. because she had just finished this show, The Apprentice, and and come work with her. And so I did. I packed up from Washington, D.C., and I moved to L.A. I'm still in L.A. now. And I know that my those were God-oriented steps. And, and that meeting was was divinely placed because, you know, I don't know if I would have ended up in LA had she not mentioned come to LA. And this has been um, one of the best journeys of my life being a media profession professional in LA. So. So, <laughs> <laughs> so tell me this, what is homecoming like uh, on the campus of Howard university? Uh, so homecoming at Howard is an entire movie. Um, you know, there are there are songs, rap songs written about it. You know, at homecoming, you never know who's going to show up. You never know who to expect. Homecoming at Howard. When I, my first homecoming at Howard, I had no idea what to expect. I'm thinking, OK, I'm going to get dressed and go to the campus. And when I got there, I was blown away. There was so many, um, not just students, but alumni that have come back to celebrate homecoming. There were there were uh, all kinds of people on the yards. There were performances. I mean, at the time, I'm thinking, you know, uh, who was popular at the time? Because now I'm thinking, you know, I've been back to a few and, you know, you've got Drake on the campus. But I think in my time, you know, there was, uh, Puff Daddy and and Biggie Smalls and uh, um, a lot of people who, who would come back and you just be, you know, walking around and, and, and there they would be on the campus. It was it was such a party. It was uh, such a celebration. It was like a black family reunion all rolled up into one. There was not one thing that you couldn't find on the campus during homecoming. I mean, I had no idea what to expect. And then when I got there, I was like, wow. And it was like, a, it was an everyday thing. It was like yeah. the whole week. It was, you know, you know, I think we think of homecoming. So it builds up, but that Saturday was, you know, or Friday and Saturday is where people come. But every day of the week, I had no idea what to expect, but it was the most amazing experience 
ever. Like to this day, I think I went back. I went back last year to homecoming. Yeah. I try not to miss one. <laughs> so it was better. It was actually better than a different world. Oh, but hands down, <laughs> a different world didn't do it justice. You know, like, they tried, they tried, yeah. they tried, they tried. It was, you know, but but I think too, you know, Howard is, is famous for its homecomings. Howard is, is, you know, there's there's it's just a thing about going to D.C. and being at Howard Homecoming. Um, it's it's just the place to be every year. In fact, you you get the calendar out. You see when Howard's homecoming and like if you have friends at other HBCUs, you kind of make a plan. You make a plan. But if you can't get to Howard's then we got to skip yours because Howard is a must. Got you. <laughs> so listen, how do you feel Howard prepared you for your professional journey? Mm-hmm. Um, Howard prepared me for my professional journey because, you know, Howard made sure that I was prepared in every single way. Um, they were very, very big on uh, professors who, um, you know, made you do the work, you know, in real life, you've got to do the work, you know, nothing is easy. And so they prepared you for what the real world was going to be like, um, how hard it may be. Um, you know, the classes were they were tough, but they were um, informative. Uh, Howard always made sure to they what they would do is what I really love is that they would have a lot of companies come in and recruit from the campus. And so you kind of knew that if you really wanted to and you were serious, you could leave Howard with a job. And so for that process, they would put you through like two or three um, uh, interview processes where you would sit and you would speak with someone and you would have the opportunity. I remember every Friday we had to dress in a suit and heels um, to go to school, to go to class, just to kind of prepare you. And, and you would sit and you would, you would, learn that, you know, to dress for success, because those that's what that's what's in the real world. You know, you have to dress for success and you always you always had to make sure that you were um, a step above. Um, You know, it wasn't lost upon me that, you know, sometimes, you know, people doubted what HBCUs can deliver. And Howard always wanted to make sure that if you go out into the world and you use the name Howard University, that you are prepared and that you are a cut above and a step above, above the rest. And so they made sure that they that they drilled that in you um, each and every day. And um, so when I got into the real world, I kind of, you know, would, would remember some of the things that they taught me on campus. And, you know, to this day, I still use some of those tools that they that they instilled in me um, when I'm interviewing or I'm hosting a show or I'm talking in front of a crowd at Essence, just whatever it may be. Uh, I'm still using those tools that, that Howard University instilled in me. So speaking of hosting a show, uh, what was the experience like to host the red carpet at the uh, in- Image Awards? Amazing. You know, I the the NAACP Image Awards, you know, that is a show for us, by us, um, you know, and there's so much work that goes on behind the scenes to put on a big production like that. And so when you are able to kind of work on a production like that and then you're able to kind of get in front of the camera and talk to all the celebrities and all the stars that that um that we're honoring for the image awards it's a, it's a it's an experience that allows you to know that 
not only did your HBCU uh, prepare you for this, but that Black excellence is on a level of its own. Um, at the time, you know, we Angela Bassett, um, there were so many people, I can't even think of them all, but they were all there. I mean, when I tell you the who's who of the A-list celebrities showed up, um, uh, Clifton, Me I call him Method Man, um, he won for power. Like I said, Angela Bassett won a few. There was just so many people that I got a chance to speak with. Sherry Shepard on her show, she won for her, her show and her two funny mamas, uh, for their podcast with Kim Whitley. I mean, just so many people that were there that were representing and to get a chance to speak to them and talk to them about their journey and about how they got there and how, you know, there's so many award shows, you know, during award season, we've got the Oscars, the Golden Globes, but there's something special about receiving an NAACP image award that um, really speaks to um, all the hard work because you're being recognized by your own community for putting in that work for, right. for those long hours and for sometimes not seeing that, not feeling like you're being seen because we know that, you know, we can be passed up by the Oscars or the Golden Globes, but being seen by the NAACP Image Awards and then being honored and being asked about that honor um, was was such a treat for me to be able to speak to everyone and to be able to, um, you know, just help them feel recognized. And right. so um, it's, it's, it's one of my favorite times of year. Uh, where I get to, I usually work with them, but I, this past year was the first year where I actually did the the, the red carpet. So you also uh, worked at Fox LA, right, for about 10 years. So what was that experience like? So working at, at Fox LA, I was, um, I started out as actually a production assistant there. And um, I worked my way up all the way to having my own show on Fox LA. Um, that was an amazing experience. And I say that because it taught me uh, the behind the scenes of how the news business works. It was, it was like on the job training. Um, when I started there, I was kind of thrown in and I kind of just learned as I as I went along. But I, I got a, I got an opportunity to produce new shows and to um, to call shots and to make sure that um, there was representation on both sides of the camera. Um, a lot of the things that I would produce would be things that sometimes uh, others wouldn't think of. But because of my background, because of my HBCU training, I would be able to know, OK, this is what we're interested in. You know, we want to have Debbie Allen on the show to talk about, you know, her HBCU experience and her Nutcracker uh, chocolate uh, Nutcracker that she does every year. You know, those are the things that I would make sure that were represented on that mainstream channel all the time, because, you know, there are a lot of times where you know, we were overlooked. And I also got an opportunity as a producer to make sure that, you know, if we needed an expert, a doctor, a lawyer, a therapist, any of those things that I was calling on my HBCU brothers and sisters who are professionals to come on and talk about, you know, what they're doing and, and get their expert opinion. I think a lot of times seeing ourselves and other people and being able to see uh, those faces that look like you who are also experts on the news are also what was missing. So I also always made it my uh, journey to make sure that I was putting, you know, a good face forward for, for our professionals. And then fast forward to like, um, 
2020 and George Floyd happened, the station came to me and they were like, Mimi, you know, we, we kind of really need your help. We need your voice. And so I was able to um, have a, my own show called Culture Conversations, where I would pull in, you know, the who's who of um, the conversations in the Black community. You know, we had Tamika Mallory, T.D. Jakes, uh, uh, Attorney Lee Merritt. Uh, uh, Tina Knowles. We had all kinds of voices on that show who were contributing to the culture. We discussed voting rights. We discussed uh, police brutality. There were so many things that I was able to bring to the table um, that I don't think had I did the work the past previous 10 years and I had built a rapport with the station that they knew that they could trust me, that I would I would have been able to just be able to tell those stories. And so I'm, I'm eternally grateful to them for allowing me to um, lead those conversations and be that be that voice um, here in Los Angeles. So now you are embarking upon a new journey, right? You're about to start with uh, at heart. So talk to me about uh, this new journey you're, you're getting ready to start. Yeah. So um, after I um, so when I when I did um, the show with Fox for on Fox LA, I also left um, there for an, another journey for Fox Soul. And I did a lot of I was the anchor on Fox Soul for about a year. And of course, you know, that journey was where we literally, you know, dived really deep into all things of the culture and um, put, put, you know, made sure that we were unapologetically telling our stories. And then um, from there, I ended up leaving and then I ended up um, getting a, a anchor position with iHeartMedia, which is amazing. Um, I'm doing some work for the Black Information Network and we I'm considered the brand anchor. And then we just we we literally try and continue to tell those stories, but, you know, also tell them from, you know, a position where we're authentically letting our voice be known and allowing, um, you know, once again, our voices to shine. And it's in markets across uh, across the world. Of course, you can listen to it on the app. And so it's just one of those things, again, where I'm just able to continuously um use my words, use my platform, use my my ability to um, make sure I'm empowering all of us to um, continue to uh, let our voice be heard and, and, and let our light shine. So tell me this, if a person is considering uh, starting their collegiate career at Howard University, mm-hmm. why should they consider Howard? Oh. I mean, is there another HBCU? And I say that with love. <laughs> um, you know, Howard is it's it's one of those schools where I think, um, you know, it, it's it's super popular. So, you you know, you, you know, you always hear, OK, of course, you went to Howard. But what it, it, Howard is a great school. I mean, they there's so many there's emphasis on your education which is super important. Um, I think now um, we're learning more and more about what Howard can prepare you for. We see the vice president, you know, we've never had a, a vice president who went to an HBCU. Our vice president of the United States of America went to Howard University. I mean, there are there are all kinds of leaders, uh, thought, thought changers, world provokers that came from um, Howard University. And so, you know, if, all the names that you can look, I'm sure there's so many names that you can look up and that you know that came from this school. But I also think that um, 
they put that emphasis in education. That is one and only. I know sometimes it gets a bad rep. Maybe it's a party school and we do like to have our fun, but going there and knowing that you're going to walk out and you're going to be just as smart as someone who went to Harvard or Brown or Columbia, I think it's super, super important because um, HBCUs up until a long time, even when I was going to an HBCU, um, it wasn't always thought of as level with some of these other schools. But now we're seeing that H- an HBCU gives you a quality education. Right. And, you know, so I would say go to Howard. It is an amazing school. If you can't go to Howard, I would definitely say um, an HBCU is absolutely the way to go. And especially for someone like me, if you grew up in a predominantly white area um, and you are just you you want to to kind of see how, you know, a sea of excellence of, of of black individuals an HBCU is 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 the place to be. It's the where to go. Well, Mimi, uh, as we close the show, I want to first start by thanking you for taking time out of your busy schedule uh, to be on the show. And secondly, I want to present you with our HBCU Lifetime Achievement Award for your continued commitment to historically black colleges and universities and for all of the success that you've had in your professional career. And you really make HBCUs uh, and Howard in particular uh, look good. And so we appreciate you. And I want to thank my viewers for watching this episode of HBCU. I'm your host, D. Brown, CEO. And remember, without you, there's no me.